Welcome back to the Messy Financial Podcast. Today is Monday, August 21st, 2023. I'm Chad Sewell, Certified Financial Planner, Senior Vice President with IHT Wealth Management. And I'm Felipe Medina, Certified Financial Planner, Senior Vice President at IHT Wealth Management. And we're today we're coming to you. We wanted it's been a little while since we sent out our last uh, podcast. Uh, I know we've between the last ones we've, we've sent out some market update emails, um, but figured it'd be good to at least talk through what we're seeing in in August and kind of what we see as we're we're moving forward here. Uh, but before we get into the heart of the discussion, we'll we'll hit the compliance information and then we'll we'll jump into um, our thoughts on what, what we're seeing. So. Information mentioned may not be suitable for everyone. Information expressed does not take into account your specific situation or objectives and is not intended as recommendations appropriate for you. Information has has been obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed. Always consult with a qualified investment, legal, or tax professional before taking any action. Investments involve risk and, unless otherwise stated, are not guaranteed. Past performance cannot be used as an indicator to determine future results, IHT is a registered investment advisor with the SEC. All right, Felipe, now that that's out of the way. Um, so you and I, as we were talking through and kind of going through um, some of our thoughts on what we would discuss today for this for this podcast, um, what you know, I, I thought was a good way to, to, to jumpstart this podcast was, was just talking back over the last couple of weeks here. Um, specifically for me on this one, I, I, I sent out a an email to my clients um, right before right before August or early end of July, early part of August, just mentioning the fact that uh, we, you and I, had had kind of been looking at the indicators and felt that it, there was a lot of reasons for why we thought we'd see a little bit of a pullback coming into August. And you know, as we sit today, um, we've seen the market the S&P sell off right about 5%, a little bit more than that. But um, today's trading is is probably getting us pretty darn close to 5% for the month. And so August has been thus far um, very, uh, to, to downside, it's been right in line with what we thought we were going to see. Um, and I say to downside, and I think some of that is a little bit uh um, just because the market sells off, it's it's just naturally it's it's defined as bad. But I I think you know for me my my stance is that this is a good cleansing for the market. We've been pretty vertical for the bulk of the year, and so this was an opportunity for the market just to take some gains. In August, set itself up as as the likely contributor to when we would see uh, a little bit of a pullback here. And so as we sit end of the month here. Let's, I think what you know, you and I were in agreement on here was just let's talk through what we've seen thus far, what we're seeing technically, which I know you'll jump into here, and then kind of what we're gonna, what we think we'll see as we work our way towards the end of the year. Right, and I mean, and so with that, yeah, yeah, some some technical things. Thanks, Chad. You know, one of the things we're looking at first for some of the reasons why we feel August has been so bad. Obviously, we've seen a pretty insignificant surge in the tenure, which has hurt stocks. Uh, but this also happens usually near an end of a selling cycle for equities. Uh, the 10 years surged, you know, 50 basis points in 21 days. This happened, you know, in September uh, 23, uh, excuse me, September 23rd of 2022 and March 2nd of 22. So uh, stocks bottomed about eight to 16 days after such a surge. 
Secondly, stocks are oversold, even as, as, as evidenced by a technical indicator that we like tend, tend to follow. Uh, that that indicator has moved uh, fairly heavily now. Uh, since 1990, there are about 39 instances that this has happened. 51% of the time, stocks have bottomed within five days. 72% of the time, stocks have bottomed within 15 days. So what that's saying is that we're pretty near a bottom. And some of the other reasons why we feel tech from a technical standpoint that we're nearing a bottom is we're seeing, uh, and I know we've talked about the DeMarc indicators that were DeMarc indicators are uh, based exhaustion for S&P 500 and the Qs. Uh, we're seeing sediment has significantly contracted uh, from its elevated position. We're seeing an elevated uh, put call ratios. Uh, we're also seeing some oversold conditions based on the RSI and breadth. Um, basically the yields on the 10 and 30 year treasuries are, are pretty close to peaking out based on some of the indicators. And, the, and another last but not least, the junk bond spreads haven't gotten too adversely affected. So from a technical standpoint, we saw some of the reasons why we broke down and then some of the reasons why we think we're going to possibly be near, nearer at a bottom. Yeah. And, and, you know, I think, so th th those are really good indicators as to, what we're seeing from a technical side um the reason as you know a lot of those who listen to this text or this podcast know um we will lay a little more uh lay, lay a little more weight towards technicals in short term as a way to try to pick up what's going on a lot of times fundamentals just aren't the answer to short-term trading um and, and and you know candidly short-term trading it's it's anybody's guess as to what's truly going on so we're trying to get a pathway as to what this this erratic market has been why it's been and, and what that means from there and so as felipe was outlining there there's there's a variety of indicators that are just suggesting that we're either at or very close to a bottom um we don't think that what we've seen from August at this point is anything worrisome um, that it's, you know, we don't believe it's a local top. That's going to be a bigger pullback. We think that we're, we're settling into a little bit of a cleansing here. And then, you know, along with these, what these technicals are telling us that we should see the market start to jump. And <clears throat> I think that, you know, the end of this week is, is pretty important. Um, and the why behind that is, is the fed is going to talk in, in specifically Powell um, and they're, I think it's an annual meeting up in Jackson Hole, um, Wyoming. And so uh, anyway, the, Powell's coming out and talking on Friday. And, and I think that it's it's a perfect time that, that he's coming out. Uh, what I think has a little bit of a backdrop here, the, the storyline that, you know, Felipe and I have been saying um, or that we were in, we were contrary to was the, the main storylines that existed through the national media was that you know, a, a recession was imminent and that um, uh, the Fed was just going to continue to have to hike rates and they're way behind the game and, you know, so on and so forth. And, you know, going back to our, our market outlook to the beginning of this year, that it's just from the high frequency data, it didn't seem to uh, support that narrative. Right. And fortunately, you know, our, our um, bullishness has been rewarded in return thus far. And, and part of that is as we're the reason I bring some of that up is as we're moving forward from here, I think all these these talking points are are at the forefront. And what I mean by that is, is not but a few weeks ago, we were being told that, you know, this recession was happening and specific around that was 
this third quarter earnings season um, was going to be one of the worst earnings seasons that we've seen in years. Um, and as of Friday, anyway, almost all 500 companies have reported, I think it's something like uh, 470 of the 500 S&P 500 companies have reported their earnings and they're beating by over 80% or 81% of the companies are beating, which is a massively strong earnings report. Um, the consumer has stayed strong. All of a sudden, the the discussion around a recession, at least for this year, has completely abated. And um, even so much so is that the the recently we've heard, I think it was from the Atlanta Fed, uh, Felipe, correct me if I'm wrong on this, but that they their forecast for GDP for the third quarter, um, not only would it not be negative, but they're thinking somewhere north of 5%, almost to 6%. And we'll see whether that, that number comes out to be true or not. But the point is, is that all these predictions of what we were going to see in the here at this time of the year, third quarter, looking back, um, it's just been the exact opposite. And so what we've seen this month is almost the, the bond market respond to this good news, this good economic news, and, and take it as if the Fed is going to have to raise rates exponentially um, to, to offset all this good economic data, right? And so... If we look at it through, with that being the backdrop, just a couple of weeks ago, July CPI came out. And July CPI's report, as we had had discussed, and, and came out really strong. Uh, core CPI came out at 0.16 month over month, which was below estimates. Um, I think across the board that as we're going to get August and September CPI reports, those should continue that trend, um, especially like if you look at this, the core CPI in August and September of last year, and, and even from a service side, the month over month for August last year was 0.52% and September was 0.80. And, and so why that's important is remember, um, even on a yearly outlook, CPI is based on a year over year comparison. And both August and September were really high watermarks and so this is a little bit of the de devil in the detail and some of the, maybe the the shortcomings of the CPI report, but August is August of 24 is going to, I'm sorry, August of 23 is going to be compared to August of 22 and August of 22 is a really high inflation reporting month. And so likely our August numbers are going to come low year over year. Same, same theme would exist for September. So if if what we've seen over the last few CPI reports continues and we continue to see good month over month and even good year over year, the now it starts to come in, well, what's the need for the Fed to increase rates? And one of the things that I would point out, going back to the beginning of the year, it, one of the things that we said is that we saw a pathway for the Fed to cut rates before the end of the year. And for the most part, I've at least with my clients, I've I've left that that discussion there. That that we haven't got much more into the detail of of why we saw that as a path pathway for the Fed. But now, and you know, kind of leaving that as a discussion for tomorrow. Well, now we're at tomorrow, and I think it's a good time to discuss why we saw the Fed cutting rates potentially by the end of this year. And obviously, as this as we are this late in the year, it looks unlikely like that's going to happen. But let me just take a couple seconds here to explain why I believe that. So. If we're looking at where inflation is now, right, and in, in that high frequency high frequency data that we we're talking about that we we're using back even in January that was suggesting what we're seeing now is what we would see. Um, if inflation just maintains the pace that it's on of somewhere between 0.15 percent 
and 0.20% month over month, that would put us at sub 3% in year-over-year inflation by February of 24, and then sub 2% by May of 24, which obviously the sub 2% is way below the Fed's target. Here's the key in all of this. Beyond the Fed just raising rates, what they're really looking at is the real interest rate. And the way to consider what the real interest rate is, if you take the Fed's rate and subtract it what, from what CPI is. So right now, Fed is at on the high on the upper band is five and a half percent, and CPI is coming in. Last month, I think it was four point seven. So for round figures, the real rate is one percent. Very doable, very tenable for the economy. Those things are fine. But if if inflation continues to stay the same, right? And let's not even say that the Fed's going to raise rates, which is what the market's currently telling us is going to happen, or the, the bond market anyway. Let's just say the Fed keeps rates where they're at. If inflation continues on this this glide path that by early next year, the real interest rate will be greater than 3%. The importance in this is anytime we've seen that disparity exist, where the real interest rate is greater than 3%, most, most recently, most notably was early 2000s and then 07 to 08. What was the, the outcome? It was a Fed engineered recession. And so the question that I would pose in all of this is, why would the Fed do all the work that it's done to this point to make sure to create a soft landing and not have us go into a recession to completely ignore the data and then force us into a recession? And so the best that I can see in, in the conclusion that I draw from that is, is at some point in time, in a not too distant future, the Fed's going to have to cut rates. And as we're seeing now, there's a lot more folks jumping on board to this 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 line of thinking. And I think JP Morgan, even Goldman Sachs has come out recently and talked about the Fed's probably going to cut pretty strongly at the beginning of next year. But either way, the I think the, the, the consensus is going to move towards the Fed cutting versus um, even the Fed staying stagnant. And so Felipe, as we look at this in terms of the impact that we're seeing in yields, what do you see from the bond side, how that's impacting the stocks and what that might mean moving forward? Well, Chad, I think you've touched, you've touched on a lot of different information there and that was fantastic stuff. And, and like you said, this all kind of ties together and obviously what's going on with the markets and the economy, long-term treasury yields are, are substantially up since last fall. Uh, and you've seen after we had this great rally in the stock market, we've kind of had this big stumble in March. And meanwhile, the economy, and you touched on this earlier, continues to not just chug along, but even accelerate. Uh, inflation has dropped a great deal versus a year ago. And as recently as April of this year, the 10-year was at 3.3%. This morning, uh, we look, we woke up and saw that the 10-year is now at 4.3%, a full percentage point higher. That's a that's a significantly a significant increase, almost 30 31%. We think multiple factors have played a role into this. First, uh, we've talked about that. The economy has stayed strong, stronger for longer and not seen that recession that everybody, almost everybody was predicting. Uh, GDP came out at a moderate 2.4% annual rate in Q2. And the early projections by the Atlanta Fed that you touched on earlier uh, is showing that GDP will be up a stunning 5.8%. That's a huge number. Uh, I don't think we're going to see GDP come in that high. It'll probably come in closer to right around 4 but even then, if it comes in around four, that's an unusually strong number for Q3. Uh, looking back at some historical data, with the exception of COVID and the reopening, 
we haven't had a, a quarter of four plus GDP since 2017. So to say that we're seeing some crazy things in, in, in the bond yields and the markets uh, and some unprecedented resiliency from the economy, uh, it, it's, it's crazy to see how, how good it's, it's, it's maintained with the high rates. You know, in talking to uh, a lot of clients over the last couple of weeks, you know, the vast majority of clients have, you know, showed some interest, uh, uh, some concern around interest rates and, and, and that's how it's been affecting the equity market. And this makes sense because a rise in interest rate means that a PE multiples come under a lot of pressure. Uh, the 50 point basis point rise that we've seen uh, in the 10 year, uh, in the last 21 days is a 7% hit to PE. Uh, and that's, that's a pretty big hit. And higher multiple stocks are more disproportionately hit harder, which explains why the FANG and tech stocks have been hit even harder with the NASDAQ being down over 7% when the S&P is down just a little bit over 5 uh, So we're seeing those, those high flyers and those FANG tech stocks get hit harder as yields are rising, again, because of effect on multiples of PE. Uh, one of the crazy things we saw, you know, that was, that's one of the reasons why we'll tie this back into why I feel that we're getting closer to a bottom than than we are into a bigger rollover that you touched on was we saw a big outflow in, in the iShares uh, TLT, which is the long-term treasury. Last week, we saw 1.8 billion in outflows, uh, which is a huge, huge number. It's 5% of the assets. Uh, that's, that's, it's a pretty big liquid, liquidation event. The only time there was greater outflows in TLT, which is the long-term treasury, was we saw 3.9 billion of outflows and that was in March of 2020. And what happened in March of 2020, that was the bottom of the, of the market. Uh, and then we, we had just ripped up since then. So tying in why, what we've seen in yields and why they're up so much and how it's disproportionately affecting higher flying stocks uh, and the S&P, we feel like we're getting close to that bottom from some of those technical indicators that we touched on uh, earlier. And plus, we have some catalysts in earnings. And like you talked about how a pretty good percentage of the, of the S&P 500 companies are, are beating and exceeding earnings. That talks about how resilient the market's been and why we're continuing to see expansion in GDP. Uh, but some of the big names out there, like NVIDIA, they report later this week. Uh, and everyone's, everyone's expecting a pretty big number from NVIDIA as they're selling as many chips as they can produce, uh, obviously tied to the whole new AI conglomerate that's going on right now and what we're seeing is as we see some of those big blowout numbers from some of those those, those big name high flying stocks those kind of tend to be the the leader and carry some of the market forward with it so again a lot of reasons why we feel like the market is nearing or or, or towards the bottom why we feel yields are getting nearer towards the top and one of the major reasons and i think you touched on this very briefly chad was why would the fed do all this work to kind of engineer a recession. And last time we saw yields this high um, is when it was earlier this year and something broke. We started seeing regional bank failures. We started seeing some cracks in, in the financial markets. And obviously with the rise in the 10 year, I don't see that, um, that the Fed Powell is going to want to stay very, very hawkish because if he does, it's going to continue to have an increase in the 10 year, which will then, do we want to get down that, that path of potentially having something else break? So all those, it's a lot of information, a lot of things that we're, we're trying to tie together and, and hopefully we're doing that in, in, a, in a meaningful manner for you guys. So anything else that you're kind of taking a look at or paying attention to Chad? Well, and I think it's just everything you just said is, is just more confirmation of, of why we think that, um, 
this isn't a local top. It's a, this will be a, a local bottom before the market jumps is there's it, just using the common sense lens is the, the fed has done a lot of work to, to keep this economy moving along. Um, the idea that they want to continue to expand rates. I mean, you have 30 year mortgages at almost seven and a half percent. Um, and, and we're seeing, uh, kind of nationally, a, a, a pretty big slowdown in real estate overall. You know, we're, we kind of live in this this little bubble here in, in Maricopa County that that is uh, zigging when everything else is zagging in the real estate world. But um, overall, we're just seeing, you know, the, the impacts of the Fed raising rates doing what it's supposed to. And it'll be interesting to see what what the Fed, what the Fed has to say on Friday. Um, and, and that will give more context as, as to where the market's heading. And I think as, as just, um, you know, something we'll be paying attention to is if, if Powell comes out and, and is overly hawkish, which again, is not our belief. Um, it might, it might create where, you know, I thought the market would kind of settle into where it's at right now. We might see it pull back a little bit more, right? Like that, that might be a, a, a jumping point for the market to sell off a little bit more and we might see 4,200 come into play. And so if that does happen, that's, we'll, we'll look at it through that lens, but that's just not the anticipation of, of and for all the reasons that we laid out that the Fed, we think the Fed is going to be leaning more towards dovish. And we think NVIDIA is going to be a big catalyst for the market starting to run its way out of this August pullback um, because the the bigger name companies have been the leaders of in the pack or leaders of the pack this year and and I think that that's going to continue as we go to the end of the year and the, and the last point that I'll make on all of this is um, truly I believe that the, the the selling pressure that we've seen in the last couple of weeks is just the market cleaning itself up there's still about five and a half trillion dollars on the sidelines right now that we believe the, the fear of missing out trade is going to run in because a lot of investors for the amount of cash that's out there, both institutional and retail have missed this year. And so getting that money infused and starting to work for them is going to be really imp important. And so as these pullbacks happen, we'll see it get bought up and, and we do believe still good run to the end of the year. And so before we, we close this out, Felipe, were, anything else that you wanted to add? No, I think, like I said, we're, we're going to pay playing close attention to, to the fed Obviously, we're seeing a, a pretty uh, weird day in the market right now. We're seeing some of those high flyers like Tesla, NVIDIA, and those things are up almost 7 to 9% already this, this today alone. So I think uh, some people are starting to kind of get wind that we think that uh, we might be towards the bottom. And like we touched on, those high-flying names are that tends to one that kind of lead us out of these types of things. And, and we're starting to see some leadership in some of those positions even today. Yeah, and it, and it, it doesn't mean that we won't see any pullback between now and, and the Fed, but those... I think those are the encouraging signs that we want to see. And so um, anyway, hopefully this is helpful. Um, I think is the final point here is the August pullback wasn't something that was a big surprise to us. Um, although we, we, we believe then and we believe now that it, it would be short lived and we'd see a pull, uh, see the market correct itself and, and then start working higher come to the end of the year. And so, because it was so such a short term sell off, um, we believe not taking a whole lot of action was the right action. Um, and we also believe that, you know, bonds are the bond yields are going to start to peak out, and so where bonds haven't been much of a help to portfolios this year, um, in the back half of the year here, we think that that will start to see a lot of lift there, 
and get us extra return as we move towards the end of the year. And so, um, as always, we just wanted to say thank you for taking the time to listen to this. Um, if you have any questions, please feel free to reach out to myself or Felipe. Uh, we hope you have a wonderful rest of your day and we'll talk to you soon.